Well, again, thank you so much to all of those who have helped to put our worship service together. Uh, for Kathy Eden, who was our liturgist this morning, for the Edens who provided our special music, for our praise team and Wesley Choir, who have offered their voices for our music, and for Gary Brubaker, who has pulled, pulled everything together. Thank you. And we come together this morning after a week. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long couple of weeks, maybe a long month, maybe for some of us it's been just a long year or two years or three years or four years. And so we're here this morning. We're here to pause, to breathe, to be. As we've been in this season of Easter for the last 50 days, we've been reminded over and over again of resurrection. And um, today in Pentecost, we're reminded of the Holy Spirit, the way that the Holy Spirit calls us and claims us and invites us into the work together. Next week, we're going to start a new series called uh, Who's Who in the Bible. We'll look at some of the people in the Bible. Um, many of you may not know of a lot about them or anything about them. And there's some that maybe you know a few things about, um, but not, not a lot. We'll look at people like Deborah and Samson, Paul or Saul, um, Mephibosheth, um, and more. So, um, That'll be the next series that we're looking at throughout this summer. But before we get there, um, we're here to be reminded of the way that the Holy Spirit still moves, still calls, still comforts, still challenges, still is with us. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, we have so many holidays in the church, um, and we have this thing called the liturgical calendar, um, which marks those holidays in the church. <clears throat> and I think there's always a question um, for us in the church um, as worship leaders, how do we worship those days? I mean, um, you can think about how we worship some of those holidays that people have heard mostly about, like Easter and Christmas. There's a lot of traditions that, that are wrapped up in that, and a lot of people know those stories. But there's other that are maybe more churchy holidays that you've, if you've spent time in the church, you know about, like Ascension or Pentecost. How do you celebrate some of those? And how do you do something new and different to celebrate Pentecost? Well, so let's start with what is Pentecost. Um, and let's talk a little bit about fire, because that's a big part of Pentecost, right? Um, you have to have a little bit of fire when you talk about Pentecost. There are tongues of flame that, that are around the room, as the scripture tells us. Um, the Pentecost story is one of flames and sparks. And, and fire is sort of pretty, but also dangerous at the same time. And I think that's the story of Pentecost. It is beautiful and amazing and also a little dangerous all at the same time. So what is Pentecost? Well, again, the liturgical calendar keeps track of our holidays and seasons in the church, and each holiday or season is assigned a color. Um, so today is um, so today is Pentecost Sunday, and for those of you who know this calendar inside and out, 
Good job. Um, I'm not sure that a lot of people know what the liturgical calendar and the liturgical colors are. Um, so today, Pentecost Sunday, the color is red, of like fire. Um, <clears throat> and it enters us into the season of the church known as ordinary time or the season after Pentecost. Um, and uh, this season that we're in, we're in from now until Advent. And the color of Pentecost is red, um, but the season after ordinary time is green. And we spend a lot of time in green, um, a lot of time in ordinary time. Um, so we're in ordinary time until Advent, which happens the four weeks before Christmas. So, so there's your um, liturgical calendar information for today. But that doesn't answer the question of what is Pentecost. So there's a New Testament answer about what is Pentecost, and there's an Old Testament answer. And the truth is, in order to understand the New Testament answer, you have to understand the Old Testament answer. So here's a story. It's the story of Moses. Moses was um, the, the great prophet, lawgiver of Israel. Um, and he was called to help free the Israelite people from slavery. And in this freeing from slavery, there were the 10 plagues, which ended in the death of the firstborn and the Pharaoh letting people go. Now, the Jewish, Jewish people still remember this holiday, this story in a holiday called Passover. And this would have been the festival that Jesus was remembering with disciples in what would have been their last supper together. Now, this is a major story of the Jewish people. It's a story of slavery to freedom and how God cares for God's people, which truthfully is a common theme throughout all of the stories of the Old Testament and even the New Testament. Now, after, the, after their freedom, the Israelite people wandered around the desert for 40 years. And during them, that time, God provided them um, with food and, and safety and then at Mount Sinai, they received the law from God through Moses. And the festival that they celebrate remembering this, the Torah or the Holy Scriptures given to the people is called the Festival of Weeks. In Hebrew, it's called Shavuot. And in Greek, it's called Pentecost, when the law came to the people. So Pentecost doesn't begin as a Christian holiday. It actually begins much further than that. The Jewish people gathered in Jerusalem, continuing to remember their stories, continuing to remember who they are, as they wait for something that they don't even know what they're waiting for. After Jesus' death and resurrection, they are together in a house and it's the day when the Holy Spirit came with a mighty rushing wind to the waiting disciples. Remember that Jesus said, I will not leave you orphaned. This is the advocate that Jesus had promised. The Holy Spirit has promised to be a connection to Jesus, to remind of Jesus's message and as a call to witness. Now, could you imagine being in that place with the disciples on that first Pentecost? To be still, to be sitting and waiting, still maybe unsure about everything that had been going on, still trying to wrap your mind around what has happened over the last few days, weeks, months, maybe even years, maybe just trying to catch your breath. 
And suddenly there's this mighty rushing wind that happens. And then there's tongues of fire that touched each of the disciples and rested on everyone's head so they could understand one another in their own language, even those that they couldn't understand before. Now, if they were unsure about everything that had been happening before, I mean, this totally clears it all up, right? Can you imagine? I think that there must have been lots of wondering and confusion and trying to figure out what was happening. Now, imagine that's true for those who are sitting in this space, the disciples and the others, but it's also true for those who are on the outside or who are watching this happen or hearing it happen. Um, And um, the people on the outside are like, oh my gosh, there are those disciples. They're drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. Way to go, guys. Um, And then Peter gets up to speak. And he, um, he speaks with authority, and he, and he tells everyone what's going on. Now, this is the Peter that we probably remember most. He's the first to act. He's impulsive. And there has been a big change in Peter from the last time that we've seen him. He's gained confidence. He's, um, he has gained the ability to speak authoritatively in public. He's had private conversations with Jesus, even after his denial and betrayal. And he's been... I mean, throughout his whole life, Peter's been a work in progress. From his time as a fisherman to a teacher and a preacher, from his time of denying Jesus to proclaiming Jesus' message in the middle of Jerusalem. Now, some people might be wondering what got into Peter. Was he filled with new wine himself or just the Holy Spirit? Now, in order to know this story, the story of Pentecost that we remember today, we have to know that story, the story of the Torah, the story of Moses. The Torah was the revelation of God. It was how people knew God. And in the New Testament story of Pentecost, Jesus has been the revelation of God, and the Spirit continues to reveal God and calls us to reflect that revelation Now, there are different ways that we all understand God. We have different words and images and stories to help share who God is to us. I mean, if you think about the way that you pray, what's the name that you pray to? Or what what is the picture that you have of God? What does God look like to you? And I bet right today we would all have a different picture. Maybe there's some similarities or even a different name. Again, maybe some similarities, but I think that the ways that we use to describe who God is reflects our relationship with God. I spoke with someone this week um, who was asking some questions about our church um, and they said, yeah, but I don't know. I just think about God Um, The way that I've always been taught about God is that God is full of judgment and God is full of condemnation and I'm just never good enough. I hate that that's the story that people know about God because the story that I know and the story that I like to tell and the story that it gives me great joy to tell is the story of God who is full of grace and love and mercy and loves us exactly where we are and invites us on a journey together. The person that I was talking to said that they had never heard God described that way, which breaks my heart. How we describe God describes our relationship. 
And if we believe that God is a God full of judgment and condemnation, can you imagine the words that are used or how our relationship is? But if we use words like grace and mercy and just and holy, what is that relationship like? And sometimes we use words and and sometimes we don't. Sometimes the ways that we act are the ways that describe who God is. St. Francis of Assisi, who um, is the author of our graduate's prayer, said, preach the gospel at all times. Use words when necessary. So that brings us again back to the story, where it's the story of tongues of fire. And maybe for you, you're thinking, ah, it's a little too much. I don't know that I can go there. Um, and some people have a hard time with the story, um, with some of that like supernatural or spiritual stuff. I mean, in fact, in the United Methodist Church, we sometimes are accused or told that we don't emphasize the Holy Spirit enough. Um, in fact, there was a group um, in the history of the United Methodist Church um, that really didn't think that we were charismatic enough. And so they broke off and created a new denomination that we now call Pentecostals. And sometimes they speak in tongues and dance in ways that in the United Methodist Church we might just be uncomfortable with. So whenever you talk about spiritual experiences, sometimes words seems to fail. For example, if I told you about an encounter that I had with God through lightning bugs and visions, or an experience that I had on the top of the Cahokia Mounds talking with God, some people might say, are you filled with new wine? Or some people might want to hear more. Or some people might be freaked out and not believe anything that I said. And sometimes some people might be in the middle there. And regardless, God is still there. In the same way, tongues of fire touched people's heads and others thought that they were drunk. But it was just the Holy Spirit. Now, just because you can't put words to a spiritual experience that you may have had doesn't mean that you have lost it. Just because you haven't had a spiritual experience like that doesn't mean you're not faithful. We all encounter God in different ways. Sometimes it's in tongues of fire. Sometimes it's in the sounds of silence. But in Pentecost, we recognize that this is the birthday or the birth of the Christian church, the day that we celebrate the church being commissioned to do what Jesus was telling everyone to do the whole time, to baptize, to make disciples, and to change the world. Or the way that the Old Testament puts us, to be a blessing that blesses others. So how do we do that? What do you do with that story of tongues of fires? How do you live that? How do you live that mission? Well, here at Faith United Methodist Church, we do that in various ways. Through the Freeport Area Church Cooperative, offering food and assistance to those who are in need, shelter, through our Sunday school classes for children, youth, and adults who are wrestling with questions of faith, offering space for groups to find safe space here through our scouting ministry, through godly play, trying to understand who God is, coming to the table that feeds us and others, making the world a better place here and now and for the future. We do that through conversations with one another, 
crying with those who cry, laughing with those who laugh, praying together. This past week, I have heard some of your stories, the ways that you have felt called, the ways that you have felt comforted by God, the ways that you've been concerned for our world. This is what it means to be the church, to share these together, to be together. As the story goes on in the book of Acts, Peter shares from the prophet Joel. And he says, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Rob McCoy, who is a United Methodist pastor and one of the hosts of the podcast Pulpit Fiction, points out in this passage that the young men see visions and the old men dream dreams. And oftentimes we think about visioning as connected with those who are older, who have more experience, and dreams are associated with younger or having more ahead of them. And yet, everyone is being invited into this. Your sons and your daughters, old men and young men, all are being invited. What are your visions or dreams for the future? Whether that future is years down the road or tomorrow. As a part of the birth of the church, there is within it a chance to dream. A dream, a vision of how the world could be. And within those dreams and visions is also a call of how you are going to help that dream come true. What dreams have been stirring up in you? Maybe you need permission to dream. You have it. Maybe you need space to dream. Maybe you need to learn how. What are your dreams for our church, for our community? What are your dreams for the world? It is important to dream and to vision, but it's also important to live your dream, to work on making it happen. And this is, I think, where a lot of us stop. Now, if you had no limitations, what would you do? There's no one telling you no. Money is no option. Time is irrelevant. You have no limits. What would you do? Now, living our dreams isn't always easy because we put those no limits on it. And then when reality hits, sometimes there are, are limits, there's setbacks, there's obstacles. And there are times when we just fail. Now, I think that failure is only really failing when we never learn from it. We have to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and keep working, trusting that God is with us in this whole process. After Jesus's death and resurrection, life didn't get easier for the disciples. In fact, you could argue that it got harder. There was persecution, death, torture, some general unpleasantness. Almost all of the disciples died in a really horrific way. And if the disciples had stopped spreading the vision of the gospel, they'd stopped telling the story of Jesus Christ, Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. If it got too hard, how would the world be different? I think the same is true for us. We can't stop telling the message of the gospel because there are still people who need to hear it. 
or have heard a message of the gospel that is not the gospel. How do we do that? That's what our dreams are for. How do we tell people that God loves them? How do we tell people that God loves the whole world? How do we work on making disciples for Jesus Christ? How do we change the world? I think first we dream it and then we do it. And we celebrate the work being done, the work to come, the work through the spirit. When we have a birthday party, it's a time to celebrate. And every year um, at a birthday celebration, I ask a few questions of the person whose birthday it is. I ask, what have you learned this past year? What do you want to learn or do differently for the year to come? And what has been the best part of this past year? And I think those, I, I mean, you know, I think they're good questions. But I also think that they're good questions for us to ask as the church as well. How do we want to rededicate ourselves to make a difference in this world? And then after the birthday person answers, we celebrate and we eat dessert to celebrate where we've come and to celebrate where we're going. And usually there's at least one candle. And we light candles with fire. And we celebrate. It's beautiful, a little dangerous, just like the Holy Spirit. We light candles, we eat dessert, we sing songs, just like the church. So we may not be literally touched with tongues of fire this morning, and yet the Spirit continues to invite us to join the dance of life. May we all be invigorated with the passion of the Spirit. It only takes a spark. So may you be surprised by the Spirit, and may that spark burst into a flame and be contagious. May you know that you are blessed to be a blessing to others. Thanks be to God. Amen.